This is Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Fed by Ravens. It's kind of a phrase we use to uh, just shorthand for, man, the Lord takes care of us. Every day. Every day. And so uh, as we head into the new year, we're looking to be fed by Ravens in a lot of different ways in our lives. But one thing we know for sure is that God's word performs. God's Mm -hmm. word creates faith. We go to his word for life. And so one of the resolutions that yeah. a lot of us have made is to read the Bible in a year. If you've made that, that's awesome. And if you even make it 50% of the way, that is awesome. <laughs> yes. Our goal with this podcast is uh, we did it last year. Right. And so now our resolution is to uh, bring to light the conversations that we had last year we thought were really great. And we want to share those with our friends, with my kids. And be a resource for those of you who don't have the time. It just You can only get three months into mm-hmm. it, two days into it. We wanted to give you an opportunity to hear the story because that is actually how the Word of God works. It's people talk to each other. They tell the story. story. It's an oral tradition. And so you're not failing by listening to this to get the story. <laughs> and so we want to encourage you in getting to know God's Word. The way we're going to break it down is we're going to try our best to go five minutes on the Old Testament reading, five minutes on the New Testament reading, and a couple minutes on the Psalm and Proverbs with some time for... uh, A closer. A closer. What did you learn today? So that's our format. So now we are going to transition into the Old Testament reading. Today's Old Testament reading is Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 4, verse 16. All right, Genesis, man, we get started. If you uh, can remember, I'll at least read to you the very beginning of the Bible, which says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And as you go through chapter one, you'll be reading about how God is a God of order. Mm -hmm. He is creating out of nothing. He is creating over darkness and nothingness, and he is saying, here is order. Here's Here order. is uh, day. I'm separating the day from the night. And it goes on and on. Right? Yeah. And then uh, he creates everything. And then when you get to chapter 2, uh, remember Moses is finally recording these things down. It doesn't mean that Moses got this information uh, for the first time. This is what everybody since the creation had been. Um, this is the story. The story that like Adam had told his kids and their kids had told his kids. And then. When we get to Moses, God commands Moses to write it down uh, for thousands of years later for mm-hmm. people like us. Right. And, uh, and so what he writes down is the general order, the days of creation. Uh, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, about the animals, the vegetation, and everything. Mm-hmm. And then in chapter 2, um, that's where we get the idea of God resting, not because he's tired, but because it's complete. When you finish something, you stop working on it. There comes a point where you go, that's good. This is awesome. The song I just wrote is good. We are done. And so God rests on the seventh day and says, this is the day you just stop and you rest in what has been created, in what was nothing is now something, and enjoy it. Yeah. And uh, it's in that day of rest that uh, Moses transitions then into like a deeper look into creation. And so he goes even... Kind of, um, it's more of a story aspect. He gives the structures and then he says, now here's how Adam was created. In God's image, through his breath, he creates from the dust of the earth. 
So from the very beginning, there's this relationship between God creating man, man interacting with the earth, being made from the earth, mm-hmm. and then being given the image, not just looking like him, but um, behaving and walking the earth uh, as God would. Right. And so uh, the, this is where the introduction of, hey, there's one thing, Adam, you, you just can't do. Don't, do not eat from this tree. Yeah, so God has set apart, he has set up boundaries around his creation, and these boundaries are life-giving. They're, yeah. they're for life to survive and thrive. And the first boundary to man is you can eat anything in this garden, but there's just one thing that I'm choosing for myself. There's just one tree that you cannot touch, and you, you keep this as holy. It's set apart for me. And immediately we see man decide to doubt God's boundaries and break them. There is the entrance of the serpent who comes in and begins to speak to the woman and gets her to doubt God's word, to question it, and then to decide, look, yeah, God set these boundaries up, but where do you think the boundaries should be set up? Don't you, I think God's holding out on you. What do you think? And it gets man and woman to play God. They begin to play God. They, they violate the one thing God has told them to do, and they break the boundary that God has set up for them. And in this, the consequence of breaking boundaries with God is death, because these boundaries are set up for life. And once you violate them, you're entering into death. And so what we see after a natural consequence of them doubting God and breaking these boundaries is they are now... God has to recreate new boundaries. He goes, okay, you now know evil. You know what it's like to choose for yourself to live apart from me. So you're going to have to live apart from me outside of this garden. You cannot live here anymore. As he moves them outside the garden, it's like a sickness when kids get sick in my house. We quarantine them to the room. You can't be eating and drinking in the same places. You are sick. So in Genesis chapter 3, there's this hope. It's called the Proto-Evangelion, which Mm -hmm. is the promise of the gospel. And it comes uh, while God is cursing the serpent. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, you'll be cursed. And he goes, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Between the serpent and the woman, there's going to be murderous intent. The serpent is going to hate the woman. Mm-hmm. And what comes from the woman is the seed of God, is this promised seed. And he says, between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head, serpent, and you shall bruise his heel. And so this is the promise. If there's one thing you get out of Genesis, there's so much to get. But the one thing is the promise that the seed, not seeds, but there is going to be a seed that comes through the woman, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because women don't produce seeds. But it's the promise of God who's going to bruise or literally crush the head of the serpent. And the serpent, the best he can do is bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. Mm -hmm. So this is the promise. And this sets up the whole Bible. Is the, are these two lines of enmity. One is murderous intent, mm-hmm. and one is of hope that hope. carries the, the promise of hopefully getting back into this garden to be complete with God, to be complete again um, with each other and the earth. So yeah, immediately you see the first two born sons, Cain and Abel, Cain and, Abel and this enmity that grows between them Uh, The way that they approach God, there's a disagreement between Cain and Abel. And Cain's pride, 
-hmm. and arrogance like steeps in him and it plays out into murderous intent for his brother and he kills his brother uh, out of anger and wrath and trying to prove something. So right away in the first generation, you see the two working themselves out. Yeah. They're thinking, Adam and Eve are probably thinking, we're having kids, Kids. we'll get back into the garden. And then right away, Cain does not trust the Lord, and Abel does, and Cain kills Abel. He makes himself God and says, I'm going to kill you. And as a result, Cain is is cursed Mm -hmm. and can't even work the earth, is forced to wander around. And God, in his grace, says all, uh, because Cain, again, goes... This isn't fair. People yeah, are going to kill instead me. Instead of repenting. Yeah, he doesn't say, oh, God, forgive me. He says, what? What did I do? At least they're going to kill me. And God, in his grace, says, I'll put a mark on you so people won't kill you. And uh, he wanders the earth. And we'll learn tomorrow about what happens with Cain's line. Yep. But Abel, and Matt actually had a good point. We were talking about this earlier. I loved it. Where um, God says in Genesis, Cain, where is your brother? Oh, yeah. His blood is crying from the, the earth. earth. And Matt was saying, you know, it's funny. God knew exactly where Abel was because he's probably the first dude in heaven. Yeah. Heaven <laughs> population one. It's Abel. <laughs> and so God's standing there looking at Abel, probably looking at Abel going, Cain, where's <laughs> your brother? And then Cain in his arrogance is like, I'm not my brother's keeper. And God's like, yeah, he's right here because you killed him. You're already in the line of the serpent. And the yeah. best you can do is bruise my heel because murder will not stop, stop. the hope of this seed mm-hmm. coming to save the world and making you all complete. So that's really, the, there's so much in Genesis. We're, oh, we're breaking man, our so rules. The first show, we're breaking first our rules. Show. But we're going to get better. <laughs> but uh, that is the Old Testament. All right. Let's get to the New Testament New very Testament. We can, we can shave some time off the New Testament. Yeah, sure. Why not? But here's the New Testament music. Our New Testament reading will be Matthew chapter 1 through Matthew chapter 2, eight, verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, again, it makes so much sense. It's the genealogy, genealogy. of the hope. Of the hope. And that's why the genealogy is so messed up. It has all sorts of characters mm-hmm. that are being confused and tempted and falling. There's even a 400 year of uh, exile where there's just silence in the genealogy of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like you might have family disagreements and it goes a couple weeks and you're like, come on guys, we've got to be better. It's like, well, you know, Christ's family line went 400 years without talking. And so um, it's, but it's all of that is to say Christ is one of us. He is the seed of the woman. Yeah. Come to bring light uh, to the darkness. Come to make us complete. And in chapter two, we have the wise men, the story of the wise men coming to find this newborn king. They've seen, they've seen a sign in the sky. They're following it to Israel, and they meet with uh, Herod, who is from Esau, and there's like enmity between the family of Esau and the family of Jacob, which is Israel, and this enmity constantly is playing out. And so they're asking Herod, where's this king? Herod feels threatened and immediately is like trying to manipulate the wise men and trying to get them to figure out, oh, go find him so I can worship him. And it's all a trick, but the wise men, it's interesting because they're Gentiles. They're actually representing the nations that kidnapped Israel while they were in exile. Right. They ruled over them. They stole all the things of Israel. They stole things from the temple. And so this is probably even why they're aware that the Messiah, this new king of Jerusalem, is even coming. Right. And it's a humiliation to uh, 
the Jews yeah. because they're the people who are promised this king and this seed, and they aren't even looking. They have they, to have an evil king say, get out the old prophecies again. again. What is this? What's going on? And then they, then Herod even says to the Magi, like, come and tell me he pretends to worship. Like, yeah. he even lies about wanting to worship, mm-hmm. but really he wants to destroy He wants to newborn. destroy the line. Yeah, he t- has no problem killing babies. Yeah. Or, and he does. He kills everybody under two, under the age of two in Bethlehem. And uh, yeah, so you can see again, murder, murderous like, intent. If you're gonna read the Bible, you have to understand, man. There's a lot of murder. There's a lot, a lot of uh, drama yeah. unfolding, like right out of the gate. Yeah, the enemy is trying to stamp out the line of hope. Perfect. But Jesus has come, and that's why angels are singing, and people are bringing gifts, and that's why we rejoice at Christmas because God has come to Earth to make us complete. Mm-hmm. He created things in order, and we recognize, we're the people who recognize, man, we're not complete right now. Something's missing. Something is missing. And uh, that's where our hope is. Cool, man. All right. Well, now we go to our uh, our Psalms. So we are going to be going over Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. I'll just, uh, Psalm 1 is beautiful. There's yeah. a line that sticks out to me, but, but I want to tell you, Psalm, this is written by, uh, the first part of Psalms are written by David. And uh, he is a man after God's own heart. And I love David because he's breaking it down as a man who's walking through hard stuff. But the very first psalm says, uh, The person who delights in the law of God, meditates on it, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And then immediately he goes to the wicked. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. The wicked will not stand in judgment, uh, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And I got to say, I used to be very uncomfortable. I was like, why do they always have to talk about the wicked? (laughs) But when you read Genesis and you read the birth of Christ, you realize there is not just an enemy like Satan, but Satan has a seed. He has gotten into humanity, and that part of humanity hates the image and hope and seed and promise of God. Right. And so we have to know as the people of God, hey, man, there's wickedness and there's righteousness. Mm-hmm. And we need to be constantly told, your righteousness will stand. Your mm-hmm. righteousness will uh, produce fruit. And it's like, and this word of God is like a tree planted by streams. So that's... That's Psalm 1. I love it. That's who I want to be. Exactly. And then we have Psalm 2, which is an amazing uh, image and reminder of God's absolute authority and control over his creation. This idea that he's able to sit in heaven, his control is so complete that he can laugh at man's attempt to manipulate and control yeah. God. Literally, he says, he who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. And then uh, the other line I like is, uh, it, it, this is really called a messianic psalm. It's mm-hmm. referring to Christ. Psalm 2 already. And there's a great line, verse 12, chapter uh, Psalm 2. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. But here's to us. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Yeah, perfect. Mm. So take refuge in the seed of God, the promise of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And uh, we just want you to be encouraged today by God's word. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. 
Do you take refuge in them? Yes. So do I. And I can hear you in your car saying, <laughs> me too. And that's awesome. Well, that's what the Ravens are feeding us today. Yep. And I'm thankful for it. So am I. You've been listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Have a great day. Bye. Peace.